Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Everything that moves, I don't care who it is. Just do Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right of the week, and it's a scrimmage day as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 266. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Chris McPherson about what we saw today, Sunday, from Lincoln Financial Field. The Eagles took the field for their last scrimmage, live tackling to the ground, uh, I believe, of training camp, as the Eagles prepare for the start of the 2020 regular season. Now less than a week from final cuts, which are due next Saturday at 4 p.m. So only a few days away. This was a last real ditch effort for some of these players to to make their case for making this 53-man roster or for winning starting jobs or key backup roles uh, on this team, both on offense, defense, and on special teams. So a big day down at Lincoln Financial Field. We're going to talk about it. It's time now for our Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, well, back to talk about this uh, scrimmage that we had at Lincoln Financial Field today on Sunday. Chris McPherson, CMAC. Uh, a lot of action we were able to take in. Uh, the, as I mentioned earlier, the last live scrimmage uh, that the Eagles have here this training camp. But before we get into some of the practice notes, just a couple of little things here. Quick reminder, everybody, if you haven't already, make sure you go uh, leave a rating, leave a comment. If you leave a question, I'll answer it here. Uh, I mentioned it, I believe, yesterday on the show that we are expanding the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast to at least twice a week. So now this is the time. If you're happy about that, go let me know. Go ask a question. We will make sure we hit on it. Go leave a, uh, a rating on our Apple podcast page, on our Stitcher page, and we will hit on it here on a future show. Now, before we get to practice, CMAC. Uh, Eagles uh, chairman and CEO Jeffrey Lurie spoke uh, with the media for almost uh, just underneath uh, just under an hour um, late Sunday afternoon uh, just finished actually right before we started recording uh, I just wanted to come to you for some uh, you know big topics big takeaways uh, from Mr. Lurie speaking yeah a lot a lot to uh, go through here and I'm, I kind of highlighted some some key items I'm going to kind of go in chronological order from how he addressed it since he just spoke a few moments ago but typically he speaks at the owners meeting every year but because that was virtual there were no reporters in attendance they didn't have the usual state of the team address so uh social justice was a huge huge topic i said this the other day with carson wentz and i will repeat this with jeffrey lurie the fact that he called george floyd's death a murder the fact that he was murdered i think is very very important very very telling uh because there's many different ways of framed it the fact that he said that i think speaks volumes coming from someone in his power as a chairman and CEO of an NFL team with COVID. He said that it's heartbreaking. He said, these are needless deaths. And he said that as a country, we are an embarrassment, you know, to only have, I believe he cited 4% of the world's population, but nearly a quarter of the COVID deaths called it an embarrassment. Uh, Very, very strong words. He's not wrong. No, not wrong, but, very, very strong words. He was not holding anything back. No. Okay, I think it's a big thing with, with Jeffrey here was that he was very forthcoming. He was very honest. Um, I think he's just – he's at the point in his career, in his tenure, 
you know, over 25 years of being in charge of the Eagles franchise that he's like, look, I, I've seen a lot. I've experienced a lot. He has a lot of wisdom to offer. And he is one of, I think, the more, more forthright progressive owners. I won't just say in the NFL, but all of sports. So carrying on here, talked about the voting. November 3rd, Election Day, said that he has offered Lincoln Financial Field as a voting site. Whether that happens, because I know the NBA has had talks of making all their stadiums uh, polling sites. So we'll wait and see um, if that comes through. But the fact that he's offered that as a place for for uh, people to cast ballots. He also said the team's offices will be closed and encourage all employees and staff uh, to not just vote, but be involved as volunteers where help is needed and just stressed on multiple occasions during his address that voting has ramifications. And that he even admits that he probably didn't realize the true ramifications uh, over the years. Um, when it comes to social justice, great to have a lot of discussions, great to have a lot, a lot of talks, but quote, action is most important. Going back to COVID, I know I'm going to bounce around here, just the way the questions were, were asked. When it comes to COVID and the season, he's optimistic about the 2020 regular season, which kicks off uh, for the Eagles two weeks from today. Optimistic about the season, but of course the virus will be the one that will ultimately dictate that. When it comes to the players taking action, when it comes to social justice, uh, was actually asked point blank, you know, what if the players, what if the Eagles players want to do something and go on strike sort of like how the NBA players have? And Jeffrey actually said that he's supportive in whatever the players want to do and that if we have to sacrifice, we will have to sacrifice, I thought, which was, again, very, very strong. First time we got to hear from Jeffrey about – Deshaun Jackson's uh, disgusting and appalling, and these are the words from Jeffrey Lurie, uh, social media comments uh, invoking a fake quote from, uh, from Adolf Hitler, um, you know, anti-Semitic views, just said it was disgusting and appalling, and, under, and he feels that Deshaun has understood the ramifications of his actions. And again, it's a continual learning effort. It's day-to-day. It's not something that just because they've you know, made amends and it's a moved on. They forgot about, they've forgotten about it. It's something that Deshaun has to work on each and every day. Uh, it was asked about the fact that the Eagles will not have fans in the stands to start the season. First home game for the Eagles, September 20th. Jeffrey said that he's hopeful and that they're working through a number of scenarios, including testing to possibly have fans, you know, possibly in October. Um, so he is still optimistic that even though at the start of the season there will be no fans for the Eagles, that they will be able to have them at some point. And Don Smolenski said that uh, a couple days ago on the Eagles Insider podcast with, with Dave Spadaro, which certainly is worth a listen in for more details about this whole negotiation process and how the Eagles have been working with local and state officials to try to get fans in the building because they understand that the fans are the backbone of the Eagles and the NFL. Um, so that's really it. I think those were the big things. He was asked a couple of football things, mainly about Doug Pearson and the coaching staff and just said that Doug is humble and understands when he needs to improve. And, um, you know, he advises, he meets with Doug every week, but is comfortable enough and trusts Doug to kind of step back and say, he's got to be able to do his job, but said that you really need to have, the best chance of winning a Super Bowl is having a top five offense and that the Eagles have not been happy with the offensive production over the last couple of years. 
Um, and that's why he's glad to see that the changes were made this offseason. So uh, wide-ranging interview, went in a lot, lot of different on. directions, yep. you know, but just very open, very forthright, very honest, very introspective, even closed with some quotes that he, you know, he reads from Martin Luther King, from Gandhi, from Chadwick Boseman playing the role of the Black Panther, um, you know, cited him a couple times, offered his his well wishes for Coach Ron Rivera in Washington. Um, but just I don't know if there are many owners throughout all of sports who are uh, going to be as just honest um, as Jeffrey was on the conversation with reporters today. Like you said, frame lasted close to an hour. So, yeah. um, we again, you only get to hear from him. Sometimes it's once a year. So really, really good stuff from Jeffrey Lurie today. No question. And as you mentioned, a lot covered in a lot of ground. So if you didn't already listen to it, make sure you go find that uh, on PhiladelphiaEagles.com, the Eagles mobile app. Uh, that's on all the Eagles social media pages as well. You can go and find that uh, on demand. So make sure you go uh, check out that entire press conference with Jeffrey Lurie. All right. So uh, C-Mac, let's get to what happened on the field today at Lincoln Financial Field. As I mentioned, scrimmage, they went full tackle to the ground in select periods. Basically, it was scrimmage format. And they did something similar to this about a week and a half ago where uh, you know the, they basically started with a kickoff and the first team offense went up against the first team defense. If, and basically they said, okay, go score. And if you were able to if you were able to score, great. If you turn the ball over, great for the defense. If you have to punt, then you punt, and now the backups come out. So um, basically they, they rolled that out. The tackle periods basically were whenever the twos and the threes were out there. The starters did not tackle to the ground, but the backups did tackle to the ground. Uh, after the scrimmage ended, they did have a couple of select periods as well where there was some live tackling. So, um, you know, definitely plenty of hitting uh, down on the field today. Uh, let's go to you for the uh, – as we have, you know, really over the last week and a half, for all of the practice participation updates position by position, obviously Ooh, uh, a big one right off the, right off the jump. Yeah, here. a couple of big ones here. So quarterback Carson Wentz uh, was watching – I watched practice from the press box today. Uh, and we were waiting for Carson to come out into the field. And when he did, uh, while players were stretching, he had a long sleeve green Eagles midnight green T-shirt on, was wearing a mask, was obvious he was not going to be participating in practice. He did throw on the red practice jersey eventually, but with everyone in, in pads, um, it was obvious he wasn't practicing today. So the reason why there was some wondering, was it just a maintenance day? We get to see Nate Sudfeld and Jalen Hurts run the offenses. But in fact, Carson Wentz has a lower body injury. He is day-to-day. Uh, several reports from the media deem that the team does not consider it serious. So uh, to me, something to monitor here, again, two weeks out from the regular season opener. Running back position, Miles Sanders, the one who sidelines, still not practicing with the lower body injury. It's getting to wide receiver, Fran. Okay, I know that he was out there for the start of practice, but Jalen Rager, okay, uh, suffered an injury when he was going up against Avante Maddox. Uh, ball was thrown in the direction. Uh, both went for the ball. The ball was tipped uh, by Maddox. Will Parks came up with the interception. Uh, but you saw Rager come to the sideline holding his arm, goes off to the sidelines, eventually goes, uh, leaves the field to head to the medical area, you know, inside the concourse of the stadium. And there have been several reports about it, but um, this is going to be – seems like it's an upper body injury that the team is going to have to monitor and brings into question if he is not going to be ready for the start of the regular season. 
where do the Eagles go just because of the fact that he has been so good so early here in training camp and that he's been working with the first-team offense that you figure, okay, he was going to get a chance to potentially be out there, especially if Alshon Jeffrey is not ready for the start of the regular season because, because he has not practiced to this point, Fran. Yeah, and I would say, um, you know, when it comes to Rager, since J.J. Ortega-Whiteside had come back into the starting lineup, he hadn't been getting as many of the first-team reps. Was still getting rotated in and was working with the ones. Um, Correct. But it seemed like whenever, hey, like, start of a drill, the three receivers were Deshaun, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, and Greg Ward uh, in the slot. Rager working in at all three positions, really. But, um, no, and it's certainly, if he's not able to go for week one, uh, that is a loss for the offense. It's unfortunate for for the fans as well because he's had a he's had a good camp. He's looked really he's looked the part. Uh, everything the Eagles were hoping for, you know, through uh, two and a half weeks on the field, he has matched that. So um, you know, hoping that he can come back sooner rather than later. I wasn't sure when the injury happened if it happened at the catch point with Avante or if it came as he was trying to uh, tackle Will Parks. Either way, uh, you know, he goes down with the injury, and we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, so uh, Quez Watkins has also been sidelined. He's day-to-day with an upper body injury. Uh, Dallas Goddard, the team did not give a reason why he did not practice today. We know that he had been dealing with an upper body injury but had been practicing uh, and did have a maintenance day on Thursday, so don't know what that's exactly related to. Offensive line, your two starters at tackle, Lane Johnson still sidelined. Uh, Andre Dillard, obviously, you know, he's not been placed in the injury reserve, but he's done for the 2020 season, but he's watching practice uh, from the sidelines. Uh, and then the defensive line, uh, Jannard Avery, Vinny Curry, Derek Barnett, Javon Hargrave, pretty much the main guys who have been sidelined, yep. um, you know, throughout camp. One, one note on Rager, I just want to add this here. He did tweet, be back soon. So, yep. you know, not hopefully it's not anything long-term, but still, like you said, um, you know, was looking very strong in camp. Just look, looks the part. Looks like yes. he belongs. Not, you know, the lights weren't too bright for him. Um, fans are getting excited about him out there. You know, Carson said all these great things about him, really trying to bring him along. So uh, hopefully it's just a, a minor setback and he'll be able to be back with the team soon. So really quickly, uh, no Carson Wentz. People are interested. Okay, what does that mean for the quarterback rotation during the scrimmage? Uh, it seemed like Nate Sudfeld and Jalen Hurts really split it down the middle in terms of who got reps with ones and twos. They really went back and forth there. Um, it's, as far as the offensive line, Matt Pryor, once again, at left tackle. Uh, Jason Peters still at right guard. Jordan Mailata working with the first team at right tackle. Um, so that was really the, uh, the big thing there. Um, let's jump into it, C-Mac. Uh, I'll start first drills. Uh, where right. offensive, offense and defensive line did some one-on-ones, and the rest of the team did seven-on-seven. Seven. You watched the seven-on-seven. Seven. I watched the O-line, D-line one-on-ones. Um, you know, the, the group started with, like, some run game one-on-ones where the offensive line really got to kind of fly off the ball at the defense. It's usually the other way around uh, during pass pro drills. But uh, real quick, just kind of uh, some big takeaways from the pass rush portion of the drill. Uh, Brandon Graham got a quick win against Jordan Mailata. Uh, Fletcher Cox did the same thing to Nate Herbig. You would expect that. The offense's first real win uh, came with Jason Kelsey. He was able to stop Hassan Ridgeway on a bull rush. Jordan Mailata did bounce back. A couple of nice reps in the second half of this drill, uh, namely one against Sharif Miller on his last rep. Uh, Malik Jackson, Showed off that power uh, that he's got. Really nice bull rush against Isaac Sayamalu. Uh, Sayamalu, they, Sayamalu and him have battled really well during these one-on-one drills over the last few weeks. He tried to stop the bull rush, but uh, Malik ended up uh, getting the W. Those guys really have fought really hard 
uh, every day when they've had one-on-ones here in camp. Uh, Matt Pryor and Josh Sweat had a nice rep, a uh, nice little stalemate. I don't know if I could give either one the W there, but it was a nice <laughs> rep uh, in the one-on-ones. Um, Jack Driscoll, uh, I thought he had a couple nice reps, uh, was able to stop Sharif Miller, uh, had one against Brandon Graham as well, where I, I would say Graham probably got the W, but it was just a, n- a nice competitive rep um, from Jack Driscoll, which uh, was really good to see. Um, so, yeah, those are my big t- big takeaways there from O-line, D-line, you know. I think one thing, going back to what Jeffrey said, um, one note that I was bringing up, and it makes sense here, is when it comes to the pandemic, Jeffrey said the team – he wants the team to embrace the ramifications. He doesn't want to be, you know, uh, afraid of the chaos that could ensue during the course of the season, you know, if the virus is in that Olympic camp, just with the way that the Eagles are developing these rookies, these young guys – uh, who haven't had a ton of game experience, guys like Jack Driscoll, uh, Doug Pearson, you know, talked about Mylotta and Pryor and getting them ready for the regular season, that they need these quality reps. And I'll add some of these deep, young defensive guys. Josh Whitehead, we'll talk a lot about him, had an outstanding practice today. Sharif Miller, I think, has made some big strides here. You're going to need to lean on some of these younger guys throughout the course of the season, not just the bow of attrition from injuries, which will certainly happen, but possibly at some point in time, with the virus as well. So it's great to see these young guys getting to development, getting to go up against guys like Brandon Graham, who's been in the league since 2010. Um, you know, really, really important for, for these guys to develop. So, so just want to touch on that before. I'll, I'll just go through the seven-on-seven seven sure. train yeah, real take quick here. Yep. Um, you know, Rager, again, talking about having a great camp, had a nice fade touchdown from Jalen Hurts, a uh, 25-yard touchdown down the left side, beat Avante Max in coverage. Beautiful touch. Great job there by Rager. We're sad to see that. The other rookie receiver here, talk about him time and time again. And, you know, when I first got to see the practice up close, he was he was injured, was 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 had an illness, was not on the field as much, didn't get to see a ton. John Hightower, I thought, had an outstanding practice today. Um, caught a slant for a touchdown from Jalen Hurts. Broke free on a scramble drill. Uh, with Nate Sudfeld at quarterback. Nate Sudfeld, I thought, could have pulled the trigger a little sooner. Russell Douglas came and broke up the pass, but I thought the touchdown was there. Also won uh, an earlier rep on a comeback route. Um, Duke Riley had a nice pass breakup on a pass intended from Jalen Hurts for a tight end. Didn't catch if it was uh, Togiai or, or Caleb Wilson, mm-hmm. um, but I thought Duke Riley had a nice pass breakup there. Greg Ward beat Russell Douglas for a five-yard touchdown. Um, Sidney Jones thought did a nice job on a fade route to Deshaun Jackson in the back right corner of the end zone on a pass from Nate Sudfeld. We've talked That's about Sudfeld with yep. his touch. Uh, so encouraging Sidney trying to push here. Um, and then the final play of the drill was a, a touchdown pass from Jalen Hurts to Mike Warren in the flat. So uh, overall, I thought uh, Jalen Hurts had a strong, strong drill here. Uh, but John Hightower really flashed, and we'll talk about him later on here as we go through the scrimmage practice. Yeah, let's just jump right in. Um, you know, some good notes there uh, from the 7-on-7. Seven seven. By the way, uh, make sure you go check out C-Mac and I's full practice notes, where you, which you can go find. You can go read that uh, right around the, the time that this podcast gets posted, maybe a little bit, or a little bit later. But um, you know, go find that on PhiladelphiaEagles.com or the Eagles mobile app. All right, so they get into the scrimmage format. As I mentioned, starts with a kickoff. First team offense versus the first team defense. Nate Sudfeld under center uh, with the starters, and they go three and out. Josh Sweat, uh, nice tackle in the run game on the very first play. Uh, It was a Boston Scott run to the right side. Um, Sudfeld then checks down to Boston Scott on second down. Third down, incompletion to Greg Ward. Offense forced to punt. So, second drive, 
twos versus twos. Jalen Hurts comes out uh, from his own 27-yard line. They go three and out. He throws a wide receiver screen on first and long. Uh, there was a false start in there on the fir- very first play from Prince Tegawanogo. So that kind of set them behind the eight ball from the jump. First and 15, it was the short screen. Then it was a check down to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Uh, then he does take off Jalen Hurts for a nice scramble, but he stopped short. Uh, so offense, again, forced to punt. So uh, first two drives, defense, uh, really tough sledding for the offense here uh, to start things off. Third drive, though things start to pick up a little bit. So highlight play on first down. Uh, This was down in the red zone. The opposing 15-yard line is where they started this one. So they wanted to get some live red zone work in. Uh, Nate Sudfeld actually drops the snap right away, but picks it up quickly, hands it off to Boston Scott, and he's able to spin off contact from Nate Gary and runs the daylight down the right sideline. Really nice job from Boston Scott on that play. And on the very next play, Nate Sudfeld drops back and hits Deshaun Jackson for a touchdown corner route. Uh, Deshaun was lined up close to the formation, was wide open along the sideline. Really nice ball, nice touch, good placement from Nate Sudfeld on that one. Um, After an incompletion to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside on the next play, uh, Josh Sweat able to get home. He beats Matt Pryor for a sack. Three plays later, Josh Sweat again gets home for another sack to end the drill. So first two, two team periods for that first team defense. You got a nice tackle in the run game from Josh Sweat. And you had a, a couple of sacks as well. Um, again, I think looking at Josh Sweat, this is a guy that I'm really excited to see. What is he going to look like in year three? You know, we saw him make that jump into a solid role player last year after being, you know, basically a redshirt year as a rookie. Really excited for what he can look like here in year three. Yeah, I, I think it's really – we talked about Sweat, I think, on the podcast a bunch yesterday. He just looks healthier. The athleticism is top-notch. Um, I haven't really watched a lot of the O-line, D-line, one-on-one, so I, I can't speak to you. you you're more well-versed in this, whether you see more um, development in his pass rush arsenal, so to speak. Um, but his athleticism was always the calling card. It was a question of could he be healthy, had like the you know, redshirt first year, was a solid contributor last year, about 300 snaps, I think about four, uh, four sacks there as uh, the fourth defensive end in the rotation. And I, I was kind of – Wondering if he was, if the team would look to him to be maybe the third guy in line coming into this season behind Brandon Graham and Derek Barnett. Now they brought back Vinnie Curry, um, who was very, very solid, especially down the stretch for the Eagles. He brings that veteran presence. But I wonder if in time, especially with the way that that Sweat played with Curry sideline, maybe does Sweat maybe get a bit of an edge, you know, at some point here and and get some more of the reps, and you can kind of maximize. Uh, Curry's output um I don't know I think that's gonna be something to watch but the thing is Curry had been the first team with, with the first team defense yeah. up until his first he had the illness then he suffered the lower body injury again with Derek Barnett sideline so it's encouraging because you don't have Derek Barnett you don't have Javon Hargrave and you're still getting all this production from the defensive line I, I think it's good to see some people may be questioning on the flip side what does that mean for the offensive line sure. You're, you're trying to get these guys the closest. And I, I think the atmosphere with the crowd noise, you know, with the state being in the stadium, getting used to driving to the stadium and, and going through the pregame routine, I, I thought it was just really good for the players, you know, and especially these young guys who don't have a ton of game experience to try to simulate that as best as possible. Um, something that we didn't touch on, I think, yesterday, uh, you know, you always record something, you do an interview, and you always say, like, oh, I wish I asked that right. question. I wish I thought. I think this is important here. We recall Big V and 
how he struggled when he first was called into action. I remember that game in Washington um, where Carson Wentz had, had a couple of his jerseys torn, you know, because he was getting right. beat by Open Ryan Kerrigan. Sure. And you, you, you go through the growing pains, but he eventually became the, the, the Super Bowl winning starting left tackle for this team. And I'm not saying that that's going to happen with Pryor or Mylar, whoever's at left tackle, but I, I will say that there are going to be some growing pains when you have so many young guys going through the lineup to say to ourselves, okay, that it's not going to be an end-all, be-all, that there's going to be some peaks and valleys, but let's think about the potential that lies ahead. And I think Pryor showed some promise, but again, he did that playing right guard. So it'll be interesting to see if he is – you're starting week one left tackle, or are the Eagles going to try to see what they can do in these reps the next next couple of weeks? But there really isn't a lot of time. And this really, I, I think these are the last couple padded practices coming up, but this is the real last possible game-like, I'm using the air quotes here, game-like situation that you're going to have before that opener against Washington on September 13th. Yeah, no question. I mean, you want to try and figure out who are the best five in all of your different scenarios. So having all these guys that, you know, have worn all these different hats in practice, Matt Pryor's lined up at three different spots, left tackle, right tackle, right guard. Uh, you know, Jack Driscoll is lined up at right guard, right tackle. Jordan Mailata, right tackle, left tackle. Uh, uh, Nate Herbig is lined up at center and right guard. So, you know, figuring out, okay, if this person misses a game, who are the best five? If this guy is going to be out for an extended period of time, who are the best five? Those are the answers they're trying to find right now over the next few days. Uh, let's get to the next drive here. Uh, yep. Fourth drive of the scrimmage, twos versus twos. Jalen Hurts in, uh, starting from his own 35-yard line. A little bit of a sloppy start here on both sides here. First play, uh, interception downfield. It was a deep ball. Craig James picks it off, but it's defensive P.I. So the flag gets thrown. Uh, Who called it, though? Who called the flag? Doug called <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, he's got, he's, the penalty goes down, the penalty goes down. So, Doug throws the, throws <laughs> the flag on defensive PI. Uh, now, next play, defense jumps off sides. So, again, move, the, move the, the sticks back. Next play, big screen to Corey Clement comes back on offensive holding. So, you see some big plays. You got an interception. We got a long screen, both negated uh, by penalties. A few plays later, though, a nice catch from Caleb Wilson, the tight end, uh, over the middle of the field on an over route from Jalen Hurts. Uh, Hurts tried to go back to Wilson a couple of plays later. It was incomplete. But one thing I did write down, C-Mac, and I, I mentioned this a couple times today, Elijah Holyfield uh, stood up in pass protection, did a really nice job taking on a blitzer from the second level. I thought that was really impressive and just good for him you know, as he's trying to fight to make this 53-man roster. Uh, and then after that, uh, the first big play that I've seen from John Hightower today, I know you saw a couple from 7-on-7 seven seven earlier, um, John Hightower down the right sideline, Jalen Hurts, perfectly placed ball, and the corner actually made a nice job, a nice play on it, was able to get a hand on it, so the ball gets bobbled up in the air. Hightower showing great concentration, brings the ball in, both feet inbounds, great throw, great catch by Hightower for a touchdown. Uh, everybody excited. Then Holyfield finished it off uh, with a physical run on a two-point conversion as well. But uh, big, any other takeaways from that drive? No, I was going to say, you know, you, you mentioned Caleb Wilson. Again, uh, Jalen Hurts had a, had a touchdown that he missed there in the red zone. Um, going back to the big game he did have, it was a 33-yard gain on a third and long situation, third and 11. So certainly if they didn't convert that, they wouldn't be able to keep the drive going. 
Um, but the touchdown was, was a thing of beauty, beautiful, beautiful touch on the pass by Hertz and great body control there by Hightower to get it in and uh, just physical run by Holyfield on, on the two point conversion. He just brings to me what I'm trying to mask this roster. He brings just that physical element that I don't know if the other guys have. It's not that Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, Corey Clement can't be that. It's just a unique way that he runs uh, that I think can add a different dimension to this offense when Howie and Andy Whitell and, and uh, you know, Doug Pearson are trying to finalize this 53-player yep. roster next weekend that uh, certainly would be interesting to see what they're going to think of Holyfield and what he can do for, for this team. Only a few days away uh, from final cuts, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, so to this point, two drives each. Uh, Jalen Hurts working with the twos. Nate Sudfeld working with the ones. For this final drive of the first half, they cut this scrimmage into two halves here. Uh, they give the ball to Jalen Hurts in a two-minute drill working with the first team. So they start on the uh, opposite 45-yard line. So starting plus territory, 48 seconds on the clock. And it was great, C-Mac, being at the stadium for this because we got the, the down and distance up on the scoreboard. We got Tremendous. The it, was, it was so good. We got replays. It was a very game-like atmosphere. It was great. Um, so Jalen Hurts, uh, two-minute drill, short completion uh, to Greg Ward on first down. Then you have the Jalen Rager injury. Um, so that happened in this two-minute drill. Uh, you mentioned earlier, Avante Maddox jumps the throw, competes at the catch point, gets tipped up. Will Parks picks it off, uh, and that is the end of that drive. They roll it back, though. They say, all right, let's 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 reset. Same group out there. So uh, Jalen Hurts, once again, first down. Um, you know, they, they kind of uh, keep things going here. Short completion is Zach Ertz, then Corey Clement, um, and then a scramble puts them in field goal range. Jake Elliott hits a 31-yard field goal, so a win for the offense. Uh, in the two-minute drill after the interception. So then we had our little uh, our little halftime. They spent a few minutes uh, on each sideline, just kind of going through. All right, here are the th- some of the things that we're going to go through. Very much a, you know, we always call the, the third preseason game the dress rehearsal. This is the dress rehearsal for a lot of these guys. This is their first time going through a practice or a game-like atmosphere at the financial field. I was talking with Dave Spinero about this on our uh, stream at the beginning of practice that, you know, these, these guys didn't know how to – get to the locker room. How do you get from the locker room to the field? How do you get back? Like, where do I park? Like all of that stuff, uh, you know, they're going through, through those motions for the first time today. And that's why, uh, you know, even like halftime, all the benches were out, the fans were out, like, you know, not the people, but the, uh, the fans at the benches to pull the guys off. Like, you know, all these guys, all these things just to make it as game-like as possible. Yeah. It was, it's funny you say it because even for, us, you know, I'm used to getting to the stadium. I'm used to go in a certain way, but because of the COVID protocols, they don't want, you know, everyone be, being congested in certain areas. So you're like, all right, wait, I got to figure out how to get around the stadium in a different manner. But those those are things that just as a person, you don't want those to be distractions, uncertainties. You want to be locked in and focused on the game plan. You know, you talked about the halftime here. They made it 12 minutes. They made it the length of halftime to try right. to – Get the, make the guys have to sit, you know, and, and get rested and, and go through everything and, and to kind of have to ramp up going back, uh, you know, to get ready for that quote-unquote second half. They just treat it like a fourth quarter just so that if we get to the end of the game here, it, you can have a hurry-up situation like we had with the, the previous quarter. They treat it like a second quarter so that it was like, okay, if you get to two minutes left, let's have some hurry-up situations to, and in this case, get Jake Elliott in position to be able to kick the field goal. 
uh, going into halftime. And for the coaches as well, we had uh, we saw the coaches were up in the press box, or not in the press Correct. box, the so coaches were up in the coaches box. Um, you know, so you were there going through all their communication for the first time as a staff. So uh, all that stuff getting worked out uh, on Sunday afternoon. All right, so after halftime, uh, we go to another drive. Again, ones versus ones. Jalen Hurts working with the first team coming out of halftime. Few plays into this drill. First big play is a nice completion down the left sideline to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. He kind of shook free from Avante Maddox, uh, got over the top of him, made a nice play. So almost like a 20, 30-yard catch. I don't know if you have the number on that team, Mac, but it was a nice um, game uh, down the left sideline. He was a, he got, it was open, got on top. Um, next throw, Darius Slay steps in front of a pass intended for Deshaun Jackson in the middle of the field. Honestly, bounced right off his hands. Could have been an easy interception uh, in the middle of the field, but uh, it turned into a pass breakup. So uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, was, you, know, you know, avoids the bad play there. A couple short completions to, uh, to, to Ward and to J.J. Ortega-Whiteside shortly afterwards. Third down, he takes a bad coverage sack um, that kind of knocks them out of field goal range. So a couple of rookie mistakes there uh, from Jalen Hurts once they got into the plus territory on that drive. 27 yards on there the game. Go. I thought JJ. it was about 30. Yep. I, knew, I knew I had it written down. I'm just trying to go, go through everything here. So, um, But definitely Slay should have had that interception. Just, to, you know, I, I thought I, I wrote down lazy throw, okay? That it was late, yeah. Left. He was rolling to his left. He threw a crank across the middle of the field. Yeah, it was a tough one. Yeah, so uh, – but, again, the thing – the one thing I will say with Jalen, he lets it rip. Okay, yep. he he will offer opportunities for his players, and he brings the mobility, you know, in in into action here. So it, w- it was good to see him. Um, you don't, I know when he was started at the start of training camp. Uh, I think the first practice, Fran, you might recall, he was great in the red zone. It was very aggressive throwing the ball, really made nice some throw, plays, yep. and I think that guy everyone said, oh, you know, I, it's good to see the highs and it's good to see the lows and to give him something to work on. That's not going to be all smooth sailing for him. So definitely some, some ups and downs here uh, throughout the day, but good to see him work with both the first. It's funny because they had to score on the, on the scoreboard of, right. of team one, team two. And you got to the point where like, I don't Jake know who's yeah, right. Jake Elliott's <laughs> kicking for both teams and, and, you know, the quarterbacks are switching teams. Like, you're like losing track of which team is which team uh, out there. So, but uh, still, um, again, just it's the constant theme here is is development, growing pains, just trying to get that stuff um, under your belt as quickly as possible. No question. So next drive, uh, twos versus twos. Nate Sudfeld uh, in a quarterback. Um, well-designed screenplay gets Elijah Holyfield open underneath for the first down. Uh, a couple Sharif Miller tackles for loss on the, in this drill uh, in the run game. So he made some nice plays. Number 51, second-year defensive end out of Penn State, uh, showed up in the run game today. Best play was a, a third and eight touchdown throw from Sudfeld to Travis Fulgham. Back shoulder throw, uh, great throw uh, from Nate Sudfeld where he kind of showed off that touch. And to me, uh, as I've said before, to me that's like one of the best traits in Nate, for Nate Sudfeld it is that touch and that placement uh, on those kinds of throws. And he showed that there in the red zone. You know, it's a shame for Craig James because Craig James was the one who had the, the interception at the beginning of the team right, on the piano, the take it away by Doug. And it seemed like he just couldn't bounce back from it. Um, and a couple victimized a couple times for touchdowns throughout the rest of the practice there. So um, I, I want to touch on Sharif Miller. Well, I'll touch on first Travis Fulgham to me, Again, I don't know if there's a way he's going to be able to make it from a number standpoint, but just seems to make plays each and every day. You know, love the size he brings, you know, um, has some NFL experience, some game yep. experience from his time with the Lions. So, uh, you know, hopefully 
cross fingers. If he doesn't make the 53, they can find a spot for him on the practice squad because I think he's someone that if they need someone who's game ready at some point during the season, he's someone who could be called upon. Uh, but Sharif Miller, this is a guy who you really want to see this second-year development. Um, I think his camp has been better than last year's camp. We, he never got to get on the field. Um, he was active, I think, for the win against Buffalo, but never got, got to play. So he doesn't have any NFL snaps under his belt. Um, but you're looking when you're looking at, as a reserve guy who can play the run, like you said, can, can get out to the passer a little bit. You know, days like this are very, very good when you're trying to fill out um, that rotation there at defensive end. That he's someone who, look, he may make the roster and he may still be someone who doesn't, is not active on game days, but I, I like the trajectory. I like the development that he's made here over, you know, because he's someone you lose that that critical year one to year two off season where you're in the building all the time and you're with the you're with the wait wait staff since April and you're able to have the OTAs and really you know see that development take flight. Um, and sometimes guys may not be in the right mindset and may not be able to to thrive on their own. So from a self-sufficiency standpoint, self-motivated standpoint, I think he's done a good job getting himself in position here uh, to make a, make a run for a roster spot. So very good things uh, here. Once again, I, I think Sharif Miller stacked a couple of nice practices here in the yeah. last week. Yeah, you mentioned it before, is that he's got the ability to be a three-down player because he can hold up against the run. He's got that size uh, to be able to do that. And a three-down backup is a role, uh, you know, that whether no matter what position you're playing, uh, you could be a specialized player and be able to impact the game in certain ways, but being a three-down backup is a valuable skill set uh, for, you know, in a number of different positions in today's NFL. All right, so next drive, ones versus ones. Nate Sudfeld back work, working with the starters. Uh, they go three and out. The highlight of that was a T.J. Edwards sack uh, on third down. Twos versus twos on the next drive. Uh, they go four and out. Nice throw from Hertz on first down. He completed a nice pass uh, to Deontay Burnett. Really nice throw uh, along the sideline there by Jalen Hurts. But um, you get a quick tackle by Rudy Ford uh, at the line of scrimmage on the next play. A couple of incompletions, including a pass breakup uh, from Trevor Williams, the newly signed corner. Uh, that forced a punt on third down. Is there anything I missed from those couple drives based on your notes? The one thing I just want to know here, the Eagles were at the plus 39 and punted. Which you will never see. Yeah, you'll never see that. Yeah, you know, so like, so one of the big situational things that um, we don't necessarily we talk about red zone and third down and goal line and short yardage, plus territory punting is a is a big situation. That's a you know, if you're talking about situational football, it's one of the lost situations that people don't talk about. Is that's when you're punting from across your fifty yard line, which you would say, yeah, like Doug Peterson never does that. But if it's you know third and nineteen from the from the forty, he might punt uh, in that kind of scenario. Yeah. And they did work on a plus territory punt. Uh, nice punt by Cam Johnson. It landed like one yard deep in the end zone. It had a nice bounce yeah. backwards. So, um, but otherwise, uh, a nice punt. Um, so uh, on the next drive, ones versus ones. Nate Sudfeld uh, at quarterback with the starters. Three straight completions, including a beautiful back shoulder throw to Greg Ward on the left sideline. Uh, that moved the chains. A couple of plays later, Sudfeld found J.J. Ortega-Whiteside on a jump ball over Avante Maddox on the left side. Great placement, great catch uh, by Ortega-Whiteside. Um, came back. It was negated, off- though. I know. Negated, came back on an though. offensive holding call. So, penalty brings that one back. Uh, long scramble by Nate Sudfeld. Actually picked up a nice chunk of the yardage back that they lost on the penalty. So, Jake Elliott kicks a, a short field goal to end the draft. Yeah, there was one play where uh, he had Greg Ward open, had beat Nicole, Nicole Roby Coleman 
uh, beat just a little too far there. They were yep. at the 33-yard uh, line. It could have been a touchdown, but a little too far. I will give uh-huh. NRC some credit, though. He was right there in coverage. Again, he's not been beat very often here in camp. Greg Ward had a step. So it was a little too far, but still good coverage. I thought Nikhil Robicon with those long arms coming in late uh, maybe made it a little bit tougher there for Ward to be able to come up with it. So I'll go through a couple drives here. The, the, the second team rolls back out. Jalen Hurts, a quarterback. Uh, he hits Noah Tungiai for a couple of completions over the middle of the field. We get another tackle for loss from Sharif Miller in the run game. So Sharif showing up once again. Michael Warren, I thought, had a nice little highlight on a screen pass. It was third and a mile. The defense in their sticks defense where they lined everybody up uh, you know, at the first down marker. He's able to push his way for a first down on a short reception. Uh, the starters come back out. Nate Sudfeld with the starting quarterback – or at starting quarterback – with the ones, uh, the drill ends on a Nate Sudfeld to John Hightower deep post route, uh, probably a double move. I couldn't really tell because you couldn't see it on the replay board, but with the amount of separation that he got from Avante Maddox and, um, you know, in the replay, we did see a pump fake from Nate Sudfeld. So I'm going to assume that there was a double move in there somewhere uh, from, uh, from John Hightower gets open for a touchdown deep post. I mean, it was a, it was a long play, big play uh, for John Hightower. 72-yard touchdown. Uh, Hightower caught the ball at the 28-yard line. So um, just, you know, great touch again from, from Sudfeld. But, you know, was wide open. He's got, he's got the speed. You're, you're seeing the, the coaching, the, the improved coaching from Aaron Moorhead. You know, throw Jason Navon into the mix. Talk about Matt Harper. Just getting these rookies uh, ready to play. And just a testament for Aaron Moorhead with no NFL experience, but having to do this in the pandemic, um, just very, very impressive. I, I would love at some point if there's like a, we could do some kind of deep dive into what, how these guys taught, you know, during these these virtual sessions. What did they go over? Because the coaches have all said, well, we had more meeting time with them than ever before. So what exactly were they able to do? How how was Aaron Moore able to show proper route running fundamentals? Um, through these Zoom calls, you know, Microsoft Teams calls. So I, I think that would be very interesting to, to note at some point. Yeah, no question. Uh, I am very interested. And they, the receivers across the board have looked really good. Uh, Hightower ran a lot, of double mo- uh, a lot of double moves at Boise State. Uh, okay. You know that if you watched our Rookie Film Room series, uh, which you can find on the Eagles' YouTube page. Um, my most recent one on Prince Tegawanogo uh, dropped this week. So make sure you go check out our Rookie Film Rooms uh, presented by Chickies and Pete's over on the Eagles' YouTube page. They're also all obviously on PhiladelphiaEagles.com and the Eagles mobile app. So the scrimmage part of this is over. They're doing a couple of situational team periods uh, to kind of wrap practice up. They go down in the red zone. Uh, Nate Sudfeld working with the starters, uh, throws a touchdown to Zach Ertz on a corner route. Uh, It looked like Avante Maddox may have fallen down in coverage. We get another Josh Sweat sack. Uh, That results in a field goal. So uh, good stuff there from, uh, from Josh Sweat showing up once again. Yeah. Just a terrific day from, from Sweat. Um, you know, you just want to see this now carry over. You get the confidence. We we heard, you know, Lane Johnson was like, he's due to be an all-pro, and you're just like, all right, we, you got to you pump the brakes on a little bit. You know, the guy is not even a, a starter in the lineup at this point, but you see that the traits, you see the ability. Again, if he can be, you know, if, if Brandon Graham's doing his thing and Derek Barnett comes back and can, can be there for week one and, everybody's hyped up DB is having, you know, being in line for a huge year. If Sweat could be that, that first guy to provide that pass rush punch off, off the bench, you know, that that's all you can, you can ask for. So I think that that would be a great step for him. 
after making some good progress from year one to year two. So the uh, red zone period continues, and you've got the backups in. Uh, Jalen Hurts working at quarterback. And this one was all about the run game. Michael Warren, nice, hard, physical run, uh, gets him down to the one-yard line. I feel like Michael Warren, you know, in these tackling sessions has really shown his value and his physicality, how hard he is to bring down one-on-one, which has been good to see for the undrafted free agent out of Cincinnati. Uh, Jalen Hurts on the next play uh, runs one in for a touchdown. So they go for a two-point conversion play afterwards. Goal line stop by the defense and the, the mountainous nose tackle, uh, Anthony Rush, leading the way uh, on the stop at the goal line. So um, good stuff for the, from the defense there. Uh, but good run, hard running from Michael Warren. It was good to see Jalen Hurts uh, running for a touchdown as well. C-Mac, we'll wrap this up. You had a backed-up session where they start on their own one-yard line. The offense backed up in the shadows of their own goal post. The twos versus the twos come out. Nate Sudfeld working with the second team to wrap things up. Uh, Nicole Roby Coleman gets a pass breakup as the offense goes three and out. Now the, the, the backups stay out there. It's the, now you're getting like the third team unit. Jalen Hurts working with uh, the guys on the bottom end of the, of the depth chart here. Final play of practice. 98-yard pass from Jalen Hurts to Manasseh <laughs> Bailey from Morgan State uh, over Michael Jaquette downfield. Look, uh, Jaquette was able to get him down at the one-yard line. He was short of a touchdown. He did get him short. Yep. Uh, it was not a touchdown, but a uh, big play to end practice to, for Manasseh Bailey. Uh, you know, first, when they started the backed-up portion here, Doug is looking up to the control room for the stadium that where they control the video boards, and he's waving his arms up. He wanted the noise jacked up for the <laughs> session, okay? Uh, and I think they're trying to – you know, the, the teams are trying to figure out what the rules are for the crowd noise, you know, for during the season. So it's like they're trying to get used to that because I guess it's your preseason, quote-unquote, for, for – Preseason for everybody. It's preseason, preseason for, everybody. for everybody. You know, so so I think they're like scrambling, like, all right, how can we turn the, the music up at the at the last second? But um, you know, for for Bailey again, just a nice aired out ball from Sudfeld, or I'm sorry, from from Hertz there. Um, beautiful touch on it. Um, you know, it was racing down the field, and you were just hoping we get in the end zone to get that that special moment. Um, but a nice nice way to wrap up practice there. Uh, with Bailey just coming up short on the touchdown, big play. Yep. And that's the thing is this this team is trying to figure out how can they generate explosive plays so that when they are pinned, you know, inside their own five-yard line, that it's not – they got to figure out a 15-play, 95-yard scoring drive uh, to methodically work their way down the field. And, again, it's great the variety of players because at some point, look, you didn't have Carson Wentz, you don't have Miles Sanders, you don't have Dallas Goddard, you don't have your starting tackles. You don't have Alshon Jeffrey. You lost your top pick in Jalen Rager, and you're still able to come up with explosive plays. So that, that's an encouraging sign uh, for the Eagles as they in practice here. Bailey, just it's a tough situation here in the numbers game with how good sure. some of these young receivers have been, but a great highlight for Bailey. The two standouts, I would say, from the day, high tower and sweat, right? Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah. yeah. You know, Miller, Sharif Miller, I put him up there as well, but I, I would definitely say John on Hightower, especially now in light of Jalen Rager uh, being injured. And now you throw in uh, Josh Sweat. The Josh Sweat was just awesome, simply awesome today. And, again, you're just looking for con- con- contributions, excuse me there, from any facet possible. Great to see there as, as potentially your third or if he's your fourth defensive end uh, this season. Yeah, no question. Uh, well, C-Mac, thanks so much for joining us once again here on the Eagle on the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. 
Uh, Eagles are off on Monday. Uh, I believe we have access to Tuesday practice. I think we're not I'm sure. Not, I thought this was it, but we're forty-eight hours away. We might, we might not. If we do, then we will be back on Tuesday and Wednesday. If not, then this is the last, uh, the last Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade until the Week One preview with myself and Greg Cosell. So uh, we want to thank you for joining us, and we, I might thank you again in a couple days. But uh, thank you again for joining us once again for more training camp updates on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade. Great stuff from Chris. You can follow on Twitter just like I do at CMAC Eagles. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's and O's content that we produce at PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And you know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That's one way to support the show. But the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. Look, I, I uh, put a, a call to action for you guys to, to go and leave r- reviews, leave ratings. You guys answered the bell. A bunch of new ratings, new reviews uh, popped up on our Apple Podcast page over the last couple of days. So thank you so much for uh, your support. And anybody who hasn't yet, please, now is the time. The season right around the corner. I told you some new, good news uh, in recent days that our podcasts are going to be expanding here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. We are not going to be a once-weekly show anymore, so really excited uh, to announce that. We will be coming at you at least twice a week uh, once the football season kicks off here. We're just days away, so really, really excited to keep things going. I wanted to give a shout-out today uh, to a couple of people who left a couple of reviews uh, in the last couple of days. A.A. Berg 80 left a five-star review saying how much he's enjoyed the show, and also Anthony D. Ayers said he's been listening to the show since the very beginning. Also left a question saying that uh, some reporters say Carson Wentz doesn't have great accuracy, and my question is, do you think that that's true? And if so, how could that be fixed for the upcoming season? Well, look, I I think when you're looking at what the strengths and weaknesses are, of Carson Wentz, you would say, yeah, like at times he will miss some of those easy layup throws or, you know, short intermediate in the flat. I think everybody remembers the the one overthrow to Miles Sanders in the flat. I believe it was against Seattle uh, early on in that game last year. But here's the thing. I say, well, you have to look at all of these traits, what they're talking about, arm strength, mental processing, poise, pocket movement, uh, certainly accuracy and touch, uh, you know, you to all the different traits for quarterbacks. It's not just good, bad. It's, hey, is he, is he solid? Is it above average? Is it good? Is it great? Is it elite? Is it, you know, and that's where I think when you start talking about uh, the different layers of, of how you would describe uh, a player's traits, and I think when you're looking at Carson Wentz, certainly not an area where you would say he is great is accuracy, but I think when you look at, uh, he's not, he's certainly not bad in terms of the, you know, there are plenty of other quarterbacks that I would say are far more inaccurate. So when you talk about how do you fix that, A lot of people will say you can't fix accuracy. One of the things, though, that does affect it from time to time is lower body mechanics. And to me, that's why you always hear, uh, you know, you hear Carson talk about it. You hear, you know, his coaches. Certainly the media always kind of ask that every single offseason is, well, what did Carson Wentz do with his lower body mechanics this year? And really, that's a big thing with all quarterbacks, and that's why quarterbacks are constantly working on their lower body, on their footwork, you know, how they're delivering the football, their base, everything going on, you know, from the from the knees down is so, so important. You know, Steve Young used to say that he'd be able to tell if a pass was complete or not just by looking at his feet as he was able to deliver the football uh, when he watched it back on film. So, uh, yeah, lower body absolutely has a lot to do with a quarterback's accuracy and ball placement. Um, you know, 
and that's why quarterbacks always trying to get better there. Uh, you know, so uh, like I said, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, Carson Wentz, most accurate quarterback uh, in the NFL, but I would not say that he is inaccurate. I would not. That's not how I would describe him either. Um, you know, so there's always it's always something uh, in between there. So uh, really, really appreciate AA Burke 80. Appreciate you, Anthony D. Ayers as well, and a bunch of you, like I said, that have gone on left reviews, left questions. Uh, we will get to them all. I, t- I tell you guys. You leave a question, we will answer it. Really, really appreciate all of you guys. Uh, and thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcast offerings on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. All that being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Duffy House, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you on Tuesday.